Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to another episode of Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, today, we want to talk about a very important topic, which uh, all Christians should be knowledgeable of, and that's dealing with truth. With so many counterfeit religions and counterfeit philosophies and uh, illegitimate uh, belief systems, out there, it's important that the children of God, those who are people of the way, those who follow Jesus the Christ, it's important that we know what the truth is. And in knowing the truth, if the counterfeit comes our way, we'll be able to decipher and determine that it's not authentic and um, we would automatically reject it. So it's important that as believers, we know the truth. Uh, the world may not know the truth, but if the world doesn't know the truth and Christians do not know the truth, then we're all in a world of hurt and the world uh, and, and uh, this world would have no chance, no hope uh, because the children of God are themselves lost and disillusioned. But that's not the case. God has given us a prescription for all of humanity and it starts with knowing Jesus Christ. And in knowing Jesus Christ, you know the truth. This is why Jesus could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, because, in essence, he's the embodiment, the standard of what truth is. If you're wondering what truth looks like, look at the life of Jesus himself. Look at the patterns that he set. Look at the works that he did. Look at the words that he used. Look at his method for consecration. Uh, look at his method for mercy, grace. Jesus is the standard of the truth that we all aspire to obtain. There's a very uh, poignant and important passage in 1 John. John writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So John basically is contrasting those that uh, believe in the truth concerning uh, the ontological uh, aspect of Jesus Christ, uh, meaning his nature, um, Jesus having two natures, but yet being one person. Uh, we can't say we believe in the divinity of Christ, but yet reject the humanity of Christ. Conversely, we can't say we want to receive the humanity of Christ and reject the divinity of Christ. We don't want to engage in Nestorianism and we don't want to engage in Sabinianism. 
uh, we want to make sure that we have an authentic view of Jesus the Christ. So in this church, there were those uh, that were sh- uh, basically sharing and trying to influence uh, uh, the church that John is writing to in Asia Minor, uh, teaching that Jesus didn't have a real human body. And this teaching was contrary uh, to the Gospels, it's contrary to the historical narrative, it's contrary to the teachings handed down from the apostles. So John is warning the church to not tolerate this type of teaching. Whoever says that Jesus did not come in the flesh is not of God. Then he continues to write, you dear children, you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So John is making it plain. Who is it that you're listening to? Is it uh, the false teachers? Is it those who are just telling you what you want to hear, not necessarily what you need? Who is it that you're listening to? Is it your friends? Is it your associates over Uh, the teachings of God over the teachings of the Bible? Who is it that's influencing you? And if you're walking by a different drumbeat, then you may want to check your relationship with, with God, the one that you say rule your life. So John, again, is making a very interesting uh, contrast when it comes to uh, truth, when it comes to love, when it comes to the light. These are the common themes we find in 1 John, truth, love, and light. But today, I want to highlight truth. What is the nature of truth? In other words, what does truth look like and how is it composed? The nature of truth hangs on three essential characteristics. Number one, truth is truth, whether you have immediate evidence to support it or not. Something can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence to support it. For example, skeptics for many years denied the historicity. They denied the existence of the city of Nineveh. However, part of the city in 1842 was unearthed through an expedition led by Paul Emil Boda. Then later, the uh, same region, the same area was discovered by Sir Austin Henry Laird. In 1849, now Boda's expedition unearthed artifacts that were connected to the Assyrian king Sargon II. And then later, Lair's discovery uh, emphasized the palace of uh, Sennacherib, who was the son of Sargon II. So prior to these discoveries, skeptics was having a, were ha- uh, having a field day saying, you Christians believe in the Bible. That's not in sync with the facts. Uh, we, 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 we haven't unearthed any archaeological evidence to support and validate what the Bible say. And so as a result, we can't accept the fact that uh, the city of Nineveh ever existed. So when you're dealing with people out in the world, many times they want to see some evidence. But just because we have archaeology 
doesn't make the assertions that the Bible say false. What I mean is, even if the Bible say one thing, and we don't have archaeological evidence to substantiate it, it doesn't make what the Bible say false. Something can still be true, whether or not we have immediate evidence to support it or not. Secondly, there is an organization uh, that's called the Innocence Project. And they specialize in taking cases of ex-felons who have always claimed that they were innocent. But for whatever reason, prior to the advent of uh, DNA, many of these prisoners didn't have access to the DNA evidence to prove their innocence. But they've always said that they were innocent from the beginning. So the Innocence Project takes a few of these cases and they research it. And because DNA has advanced to the point where they can prove whether or not the individual was commit or committed the act, many of the cases they've taken have ended in these prisoners being released. So what's my point? My point is this. Something can still be true if you don't have, even if you don't have immediate evidence to support it. So these prisoners, they said from the onset that they were innocent, but later on, a DNA came to corroborate what they were saying. So back then, what they were saying was not incorrect. It's just that they didn't have the evidence to support it leading to their release. So something can still be true even if we don't have evidence to support it. There are many cities that the Bible talks about which no longer exist uh, through uh, natural disasters, through uh, military events. Uh, a host of many reasons have led to a lot of cities uh, that we'll never unearth, especially uh, in ancient civilizations, cities, uh, or individuals, cultures had a tendency to build their uh, their city and their culture on top of the uh, preceding uh, civilization. So uh, a lot of the ancient cities are down deep in the earth, and uh, sometimes it's difficult to uh, get down that deep and to unearth uh, or to tear down a current uh, civilization to dig down deep enough to find the earlier one. So number two, truth is truth, meaning that truth is not created, but revealed. Truth is not created, but revealed. Man does not have the authority nor capacity to redefine truth. When God says this is right, this is right for eternity. When God says this is Marriage, this is marriage for eternity. When God said this is a man or this is a woman, he means that for eternity. When God lays down his principles, it's there for eternity. So when God created uh, truth, that was it. Man does not have the authority to try to recreate the truth. So it's not created but revealed. So when we discover the law of gravity or we discover the law uh, of uh, dealing with thermodynamics. Uh, we did not create it. Scientists discovered it, but they did not 
created. So truth is, we, we, we run into truth. The truth that God deposited in the earth from the days of Genesis when he uh, first created the heavens and the earth. Truth came with it. Truth essentially comes out of the nature of God. So man does not create truth. We discover truth. This is why it's so important uh, as we deal with, with a lot of these hot topic issues of today's world. Um, the, the issue at hand is, is God God? And if he's God, then what he says stands for eternity. Because if truth comes out of God's nature and God is eternal, then truth has to be eternal. In other words, truth doesn't have any expiration date. So we don't have the power, the authority to recreate truth. Truth has already been defined and has been put in action before we were even born. So we discover truth. Truth is revealed to us. And how is truth revealed to us? One, by general revelation. And by general revelation, we mean the revelation that's accessible to all of humanity. Whether you're saved or not saved, there's a general revelation uh, is accessible to you. This is what Paul writes about in the book of Romans when he talks about um, no man having an excuse when the time comes to say that we didn't know uh, about God or that God existed because the uh, fact that we look at nature speaks for itself. Na nature testifies that God exists. So that's general revelation. You don't have to be a Christian to uh, see that the mountains are there, to see that the sun uh, uh, comes up or, 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 or the uh, night comes or to, to witness the, ma the majesty of the mountains. You, you don't have to be a Christian to appreciate all of that. Then you don't have to be a Christian uh, to know the laws of math. That's accessible to Christians and non-Christians alike. So these are general revelations. This is why you find parallels with a lot of other religions when it comes to Christianity, because uh, a lot of other religions also have access to general revelation. So when you read their holy writ or ancient uh, scriptures, it seems very similar to some of the things that the Bible talks about because they are privy to general revelations. Again, general revelations is accessible to all of humanity. There is no Christian math. There is no non-Christian math. It's just math. And that knowledge is accessible to all uh, human beings. Then there's something called special revelation. Now, special revelations is only privy to those who have the Holy Ghost, those who have uh, the Spirit of God uh, influencing them. So we as Christians are the only ones that have access to special revelations. So that's the contrast between general versus special revelations. Again, truth is not created, but it is revealed. Then lastly, the third characteristic is truth is not based on popularity. Oftentimes, the, when it comes to topics dealing with uh, social issues, uh, people want to release a poll. Well, the majority of Americans believe this. The majority of Americans believe that. Well, the point is, it doesn't really matter what the majority believes. What matters is what God has said. If God has said it, 
that's that's it. It doesn't matter if the majority want to accept it or not. Think about Israel. Israel had a majority vote in many ways, but they kept getting in trouble with God. Uh, When Moses went up to go talk to God, uh, they saw it fashionable to create a golden calf. And that was the majority. The majority wanted to do this, create this graven image, but that didn't make it right. So my point is this, just because the majority believe it does not make it right, necessarily right. Another point or example could be slavery. The majority of Southerners believed in slavery, but did did that make it right? No. So just because uh, the majority believe that something is right does not necessarily make them right. The only way to determine if something is right is to compare it with the word of God and let that be the standard. So, again, we're talking about the nature of truth. We have to be mindful to search the scriptures daily. And in knowing the scriptures, we'll be able to identify and reject what's false. So with so many ideologies and dogmas, it's so important for Christians to be knowledgeable about the unchanging and unfailing truth based on biblical principles. If God's church, which is the ecclesia, is going to effectively impact the lives of those around us, we must first be able to discern what is true and not true. So in other words, whatever the Bible affirms to be true is true. And whatever the scripture claims to be false is false. Of course, I'm assuming that the Bible is the legitimate word of God and not the uh, Quran, not the Vedas, uh, not the Book of Mormon, not the doctrine and, and covenants, not the book of Abraham, not the book of Nephi, but the Bible, that the Bible is the legitimate word of God deposited to us through the apostles. There is so much falsehood today that it's so sometimes difficult to determine what's genuine. Every Christian doctrine that's been associated with classical theism is not being attacked. For example, salvation is under attack. The reality of a personal God is under attack. The atonement is under attack. The manuscripts of the New Testament as well as the Old Testament scrolls are under attack. The resurrection is under attack. The nature and work of Jesus Christ and a host of other doctrines are under attack. Scripture tells us that there is a God who created the heavens as well as the earth. However, the atheist tells us that there's no God and we are here due to chance by the way of random selection. The Bible tells us that in order to see the father, we must first go through the son. However, the pluralists would tell us that it doesn't matter who or what you believe in, because ultimately all religions will lead to God. The Bible tells us there is absolute truth. Conversely, the relativists will claim there are multiple truths. They claim what is true for me is true and what is true for you is also true. There are no absolutes. So with so many divergent views, how should we as Christians respond? There are two working definitions of truth that I would like for you to consider. Number one, 
Truth is telling something like it is. Number two, truth is that which correspond to its object. Isaiah writes, this is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first, I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Isaiah 44 and 6. Within the context of suffering experienced by the children of God, Isaiah writes concerning Israel's past as well as the sins that they've committed. So he speaks a prophetic word concerning God's promise to turn their fortunes around. Isaiah explicitly reminds Israel that their fortunes would only change if they turn back to God, the authentic God, the God who created the universe, who requires a worship that's authentic. It's also part of the law. Unto thee it was showed that the, thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. Deuteronomy 4 and 35. This passage also covers the law of identity as well as the law of non-contradiction. God who created the word, the world out of ex nihilo, out of nothing, should not be confused with the Babylonian god Murdoch, who was alleged to have created the world from the dead corpse of the goddess Tiamat, who, who was the goddess of the ocean. And this is from ancient Mesopotamian folklore. So in other world, in other words, even God subscribes to the correspondence view of truth. God doesn't want us to identify him by uh, fabricated uh, through fabricated characteristics. God wants to be identified the way that he's revealed himself through scripture. Uh, Jesus, when he talks about uh, there will be those who come saying that dear Jesus did I not did I not do good works in your name did I not prophesy in your name so even Jesus believes in the correspondence view of truth we can't just use any terms concerning God it has to be the terms that he has given us we can't say God is this or that and it not be consistent with the way that he's revealed it through scripture again to say God created everything out of nothing it's not the same as saying he created everything out of something to say there is a God is not the same as saying there is no God. So we have to take a stand. Truth is what's going to set us free. But in order for us to be liberated, we must know the authentic truth of God. I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. I hope you're able to uh, share this with your family members. I hope that you are able to walk in the truth not just at church, but also outside of church, when you encounter people of other faith, I hope you're able to share with them uh, out of love and try to bring them to the uh, revelations of God through Jesus Christ, who is the truth. May God be with you, and we thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Sound Reasoning. Have a blessed and wonderful day and evening. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.